0: My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end-user. Ruth King is well-known as the Profitability Master. She is passionate about helping small business owners get profitable and stay profitable. Ruth is a serial entrepreneur, having owned eight businesses in the past 37 years, and one of her businesses, Business Ventures Corporation, began operations in 1981. She coaches, trains, and helps contractors and others achieve business growth and goals that they want to achieve. Well, good afternoon. This is Mark Madison on Books and People. Today, I have a very special guest, my old friend, well, I shouldn't say old friend, my friend for a long time. Ruth King. Ruth, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Mark? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're right. It's been a while. It's been a while. I was trying to remember when we met, and I think it was Comfort Tech in 2001. Oh, my gosh. We're both dating ourselves. I know. I was young, though. I was like 17. So. <laughs> well, I was two. How's that? <laughs> well, I was going to say three, but, yeah, you were precocious. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. That, that had to have been it. I, I, I remember seeing your name on there and thinking... And it was one of those things where I, I couldn't attend years because I was doing one at the same time kind of thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: yeah. I'm pretty sure that was it. So your background, how did you get started in HVAC?
1: By accident. I had a friend who was working for Service America when I was in grad school going for my MBA and they needed some help. And so I found a niche and that was 1987, believe it or not. Wow. time
0: ago. Yeah. Duran Duran was popular then.
1: Yeah, Duran Duran was popular and so are a whole lot of other people that we don't listen to anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true and some of them aren't here anymore either. So there's that.
1: Unfortunately, yes. That's yeah, fun.
0: so Service America. So what was your first kind of responsibility in the industry? What were, what was the work you were doing? Was it on the financial side?
1: Yeah, it was on the financial side. Absolutely on the financial side. It was, it was really cool because I met really great people who had a passion for doing what they were doing, and had most of them no clue how to price anything or what a PL and a balance sheet were. Right, and so I could help them grow their businesses profitably and open their eyes to those effects. And it was, it's been a great, great career. I mean, it's expanded and you know, past HVAC, as has yours. I mean, let's be real here, we both have.
0: I know, and I mean, uh, when I think of some of the clients, I mean, I trained all the salespeople at T Mobile. And it was right after the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. And I mean, come on. Really? T Mobile? This is so great. Yeah. I mean, no kidding. And you know, I pinch pinched myself. You know, Microsoft, John Deere, ConocoPhillips, Phillips, I mean, and 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 it are largely due to the success of the books. And you you're no stranger to that. You've written four books Five. that I know of. <laughs> the fifth just came out in October. Steve, <laughs> I knew it. And I got number six uh, in the can and I got, you know, you know, this, I've got, you know, another edit to do. This will be number edit number seven. Yeah. But that's the only part of the whole process. I don't care much for, but it's part of the, it's part of the gig.
1: I've actually hired a professional editor. I, I edit it once or twice. I let Brenda, who's my right arm, look at it and she edits and then we send it off quite frankly. And it always comes back better than I could have done it. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause that's what those people do for a living.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: they edit
1: yeah <laughs> and they ask really good questions and yeah you know, from the things that I write with the financial books it's really important that somebody who's not Brenda and me look at it to make sure it makes sense and it's in English rather well, than counting babble
0: right yeah and you know honestly we, sometimes we have blind spots we have scotomas we just can't see hmm right because it's we're too close to it you're gonna have to give me the name of your your editor uh, obviously so we'll do that after the call how's that okay
1: that would be great she's wonderful oh
0: she's
1: I have, okay. I've referred many people to her oh good she's Done great jobs for all of them
0: so so you started consulting that was on the financial side when did you do your very first public presentation where you were in front of a, of a live audience
1: oh my gosh
0: do you remember to- that
1: Yes, it was like 1981 or 1982 before I got in this industry. I had a a presentation to do for um, BPW, which was um, professional businesswomen or something like that. And I was the first time I ever talked, and I wrote the whole speech out and I.
0: Longhand? (laughs) You wrote it out longhand?
1: I wrote it out longhand. This is 1981, Mark. We didn't have what we have today. I know. Go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> and so um, it was awful. I taped it. And my husband, who used to you know, work with IBM and train their speakers and everything else like that, he goes, I will not use his direct vernacular, but you can imagine what it was. It was a piece of you know what. Right. And, you know, he said, more practice, more practice, more practice. And I did. And I practiced and I practiced. And he refused to go to any of my talks for a really long time. And then I dragged him into an ACCA meeting, the one that was in Atlanta. And that was the first time that he'd been to a talk. And I can't tell you how long. And he goes, boy, have you improved.
0: Wow. (laughs) Well, hey, Jesus had to leave Nazareth because everybody said, that's a carpenter's kid. What does he know, right? Yep,
1: Exactly. (laughs)
0: My wife didn't hear me present for 25 years. And then finally a couple of years ago, she, and then afterwards she goes, You're actually pretty good. Like what you were expecting me to fail? <laughs> how do you think I've how do you think I've made a living these last 25 years? yeah, uh, yeah I think it, you know, uh, I kind of remember coming home one time and I said, Honey, I got a standing ovation. She goes, That's nice. Uh, why don't you empty the garbage? You've been gone a couple of days. <laughs> right. So I don't. I don't get to breathe my own smoke. Yeah, it's just not the way it goes. No, absolutely not. I never did in my
1: house either. So I mean, I guess you know, when we come home, we're not this you know person anymore. We're
0: no our wives, husbands,
1: and stuff like that. So
0: put the umbrella in the bin and leave your ego at the door. That's
1: know? exactly right. So I have when, to ask you a question. How did you meet Bob Mulvan?
0: Oh my goodness. Well, you've done your homework. Um, oh, because you read Trevor's book. I read Trevor's book and you mentioned it in your, um, your newsletter. I mentioned it, like- it all the time. Bob's was my first mentor. Uh, I was uh-huh. 14 years old. He came to our high school to speak at a, at an assembly. And I was the only person that went down afterwards and asked for a brochure because he was promoting these two day seminars at Seattle university, uh-huh. $45 action for excellence. And he presented for two days and it literally changed my life. Cool. He taught me how to set goals. He taught me about attitude and self-esteem and visualization and goal setting and goal achievement. And I literally went from applying the principles Bob taught me. I went from scrub to star on the basketball team in like three weeks. That's and I went cool. from a one eight to a 3 eight with my grades in one semester.
1: Yeah.
0: And then everything changed. I mean, my whole life exploded into change. And then fast forward, I'm 32. I see that Bob's speaking at some Chamber of Commerce in Seattle. So I go to this presentation and he lit the fire all over again. And then I went through his two day course and then he offered me a job a couple of years later and I worked for him for four years.
1: Very good. You know who my first mentor was from that? It was Jim Rohn.
0: Right? That's another guy who changed my life.
1: Mm-hmm. He literally changed my life. I did the goal setting process. Yes. And I missed the birth of Kate by nine months. Hmm. I mean I, I did it in 1981 she was born in 1989 and I had said 1988 I mean I achieved 16 in the 17 goals I set for year one and I was hooked that was it it was done so that's that was mine
0: and he was amazing because of this. Oh my gosh. I, Mr. Roan why why Mr. Roan you've yeah. messed up <laughs> I yeah, love that yeah. oh I, I I heard him in 90. 90- Two ninety-four, 94, somewhere in there. And I bought everything he had like the $400 package, right? Mm -hmm. Video, audio books. And I, for a year I poured through his material. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah,
1: I made Kate go when he was in Columbia, South Carolina, which is a four hour drive from us when she was nine years old. Mm. And it it impacted her like you wouldn't believe, you know, and it was good for her to hear it at nine. It's really helped.
0: Moad had an audio program for kids. And so I played that for my children for years. And then one day they got to meet Bob and they go, This is the guy that's on the tapes. I said, Yeah, this is Bob. Oh, we love your tapes, Mr. Moad. And I was planting those seeds when my kids were like five, six, seven, eight years yeah. old.
1: Absolutely.
0: She got to Bob, it. Bob had a gift. He was also a state championship basketball coach. And so we had that basketball connection, mm-hmm. right? Because I coached my kids and and uh you know, I played for years, and up until just recently, I was still playing. Uh, yeah, Bob. I still think about Bob every day and talk about him at every turn, because when I'm speaking, I channel Bob. Yeah. Yeah, so you you, you weren't supposed to ask me the questions, so It's the other way around. So, well, you know...
1: You know me I mean i, I I'm gonna flip the turns on you because I do podcasting
0: too, but I, I know had to ask the question. I know <laughs> and, and, and you know I, I'm so shy and unassuming it was really hard for me to come out of my shell, but there you have it. Uh, <laughs> well done, young lady. Well done. Okay. so you've written four books. When did the idea for the first book kind of hit you? what what was the impetus?
1: book was The Ugly Truth About Small Business. And it was... Which um, I have
0: and I read. It was actually All season. right.
1: So way back when, I'm a teenager. I'm in my early 20s. You know, this kid who's always known she's always going to have her own business. And I'm reading Success Magazine. And, and, and Wilson Harrell's in there talking about the Formula 409 and the fact that, um, you know, businesses should really be called entrepreneurial terror. And I went, yeah, right. Then I started my first one. And then I knew it was entrepreneurial terror. Yeah. And so I had always wanted to write the book and I got a publisher who ended up not being the publisher I used and wrote an email to the top 250 chambers of commerce, asking them for stories about people who've had horrific experiences and survived business-wise, obviously. And so the stories kept pouring in and I wrote, you know, the ugly truth about small business, 50 ways, you know, never saw it happening, things that can happen to you and what you can do about it. And um, Sourcebook published it. And that's how the first, that's how the idea for the first book came. And then Sourcebooks uh, tied me to a three book series. The second one was The Ugly Truth about managing people and same type of thing, 50 interviews. And that one was harder because there were too many lawyers involved in that who didn't want names and all that sort of fun stuff. And then um, they Source decided that they were getting out of the small business business. Um, publishing business and just going to do their other things and so they released me from my contract and I got a little perturbed so I found um Morgan James and I said I'm going to write the courage to be profitable because I saw Susie Lemon on the corner on the cover of success magazine and she had the courage to be rich well you got to be profitable to be rich unless (laughs) you have a silver spoon in your mouth so that's how that one started and then I wrote the ugly truth about cash I finished it. I had started it with source, but um, I had a guy call me on the phone one day and he said, would you look at my books? You know, There's something screwy here. And I said, sure, send me your financials. Well, long story short, somebody had reprogrammed QuickBooks. And so you know how we have, uh, for example, auto expenses and there's um, gasoline and repairs and maintenance and whatever else it is under there. So you add those three things or whatever it is underneath and it didn't match the total on the right. Mm. So $51,000 into it. <laughs> I said, this is the most ingenious creative way I've ever seen to steal. I'm going to finish this book. So I did. And, and the, kind I of felt- the
0: ugly truth, kind of the horror aspect of the title uh, is kind of counterintuitive, but it's great because it grabs your attention.
1: Yeah. Well, actually it's my least, um, least popular book believe it or not because most people don't like to hear about prevention you know they get diabetes and then they said okay now what can i do about diabetes then they get serious nobody thinks that somebody's going to steal from them and it's just they do all the time the statistics are horrendous but until it happens to you you don't pay
0: attention so it's almost always that loyal employee who works long hours that you never suspected
1: that's exactly right. That, ha-
0: that was overseeing both accounts payable and accounts receivable. I'll do it. I'll take care of it. You don't have to worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and, they, and they also have check signing privileges, which is not a good thing. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm not a financial person, but, you know, I, I, I've just seen that.
1: Yeah.
0: That actually happened. Well, I won't say. Yeah. Uh, it's probably best we well, will
1: We'll leave that to whomever it
0: happened to. We, um, yes. We <laughs> just know that's happened to people we know.
1: Yeah, many, yeah. unfortunately.
0: So you write, you write a lot of articles as well. You're not just, a, you're just yeah. a book author. And I do too, but tell our audiences why articles are so important. Because it keeps you
1: fresh. Um, most of my articles come out of my experiences with, with my clients. And, you know, I, I wrote a contractor since a while ago about getting hit between the eyes with a two by four. And one of the things that I make my clients do is we do a budget every year and then we break it down into weekly goals. And so for the first, you know, first eight months are doing great. September hits, and they didn't make goal one week. I don't, you know, have a cow about it or, at all for a week or so. And then they didn't make it the second week. And by this time, I'm starting, hey, what's going on here? You know, and it goes on and on and on. And I'm screaming as much as I can because I'm on the outside, and their bookkeeper saying, hey, you know, wake up. And the owner is just totally oblivious. So I get an email in December. We ran out of cash. How did this happen? He had to get hit (laughs) between the eyes by a two by four. So I wrote the whole story. He sends me an email back and he goes, I got it. I won't let it happen again.
0: (laughs) All of a sudden he was teachable. Yeah.
1: Well, sometimes it has to happen that way. You know, you know, if you think about, I mean, you and I both know people who have been in these horrendous automobile accidents and their lives totally change as a result of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really, you know, if you're not happy doing what you're doing, life is too freaking short. Excuse me for saying it that way.
0: No, I don't make left hand turns anymore. (laughs) Because I got into an accident making a left hand turn. This guy was going 75 and a 25. And there was a hedge and I didn't see him. Well, let me tell you something. You, you sit, you start thinking about left-hand turns after that. Yeah. Right? I got, and that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. It takes got, hitting uh, bottom. Yeah. In October,
1: this guy was, this lady was turning left and I, there was nobody coming out on the right. And this guy just whipped around her and, and broadsided me. And I literally walked away from that. Nothing. I mean, no headaches, no nothing. I, I, came off away with two things number one it wasn't my time to go and number two I wasn't supposed to be in that car anymore right and um but it was just you know it was like well if I'm not supposed to be in this car why do you make it so it happens this way you
0: know (laughs) right couldn't you have done it a different way yeah just
1: you know have it just die on me or something like that rather than hit it
0: but um, well I like the I like the articles too for a couple of the reasons number one it it forces me to write about lots of different things. Like mm-hmm. I wrote I wrote one this morning. I try to write every day and, and most days I do. And and the other thing is I've been in I think in contracting business like 63 times or yeah. I've been in pretty like you, every major contractor in the industry, but also outside the industry as well. And what ends up happening is somebody ends up calling you because they read an article that you wrote in a magazine. Or and else so, it's-
1: yeah, because of the podcast, too. I mean, I'm getting a lot because of the podcast.
0: Yes, me too. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'd have known, I'm constantly amazed, Ruth, how stupid I was two years ago, and the cycle keeps repeating. If I would have known what I know now, I would have done a podcast 10 years ago.
1: Yeah. You both.
0: But, you know, we're, we only know when we know, right? And when we're ready,
1: I guess. When we're ready. That's the key, is when we're ready. Right. And really, the key is when we're
0: ready. So coming up, who are your heroes and sheroes?
1: heroes um, do you want heroes. them living or do you want them dead <laughs> uh, sure yes all right let's take the dead ones first
0: sure right. those are all these thomas jefferson and margaret thatcher wow that's quite a that's quite a dinner party it is a
1: very interesting dinner party um, I've I've done a lot of research on all of them, you know, and I would love the wisdom of Socrates. I'd love the guts of Thomas Jefferson, um, because without him, we wouldn't be in the United States. If you if you really dig into the research, yes, uh, of the beginning of the United States, and he and John Marshall probably the two that were there. Um, and another person who's not living anymore is my dad, obviously. Um, he and my mom are both gone, and they were both incredible heroes, you know, mentors, very wonderful parents. They were phenomenal parents. Now, when I was 16, I didn't think so, obviously. Right. But, you know, in retrospect, um, they were they were really, 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 really good. So they were there. Jim Rohn is obviously one of my, you know, my mentors um, from there. Um and um, that, those, those are the ones that I really and truly like. Um, if you know who Peter Diamandis is, do you know who he is? X-Prize, Tesla. Oh, okay, all right. He is an incredible coach. I mean, that's who I'm, who's my coach right now. Um, I'm in a coaching group that he has with 300 people worldwide and it's phenomenal. He asks really subtle questions, but really good questions. Mm. Um, which is, you know, what I need right now, uh, more so than anything else, because I do a lot of coaching and I need somebody better than I am. <laughs> and right. I'm pretty good.
0: <laughs> well, and, it, and honestly, as you know, great coaching is about asking the right questions and then listening and then listening some more and yeah. being a sounding board and guiding, guiding them to solutions, you yeah. know, and, and not giving them the answers necessarily, but helping them think.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he set me off on this incredible um, question. You know, my thing has always been, I want to, you know, my goal and passion in life has always to has been to make sure, you know, make sure, good, listen to that. Um, help small business owners get and stay profitable by giving them processes and tools um, to, to do that and to build wealth and obviously give back, which is a big part of what I do. And Peter goes to me, well, how do you know they're going to be profitable? And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> mm. I don't. And so it started me off on this tangent. I'm
0: how do actually, you know they're going to follow the advice? Yeah.
1: Well, well, it's interesting because I've now, in the work that I did as a result of that question, I've really identified three basic business types and each one has different needs, and each one learns differently, and each one could care about different pieces than the other. So it's it's been really interesting as a result of that question.
0: As all right, one, so it begs the question, what are the three business types?
1: All right, there's the lifestyle business, who you're just, you know, basically buying a job. There's not, nothing wrong with that. It's just a situation where you don't want to work for anybody else yourself. You just you you want to have the ca- You you are most concerned about cash flow and a base that um, has recurring revenue in it, so that it's not you know totally dependent upon you. You don't necessarily care about growth, which means you don't really care about your P L. You care about cash and cash flow and you know, recurring revenue stuff like that. Sure. Um, so that's one. And then I haven't decided what I'm going to call the second group. I'm um, right now for lack of a better word I'm calling it the tool business. And this is a business that gets started for a reason and will end for a reason. All right? So for example, many heating and air contractors and you and I both know this industry really well, they started their business to obviously have a passion for the industry and take care of their customers better than their former bosses were.
0: I can do um, it better than that guy.
1: Yeah. And but it you know their growth oriented. They want to provide really good, um, you know, really, well, let's say, how do we describe? They they want to, they want to have really good employees, take really good care of their customers. And at some point they're going to sell their business because they want to do why. All right. So they either want to travel, they want to teach, they want to do other things to help. Some of them help the industry. Others are going out in in totally opposite way, but there is an exit plan. And then there's what I would call the, the strict entrepreneur. Again, I don't have the, the right terminology yet. And these are the people that everybody thinks about, the entrepreneurs who have the moonshots, who are the super risk takers, who are changing the world type things, the Elon Musk's of the world. So for, you know, for lack of better world, the Jeff Bezos of the world. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of people who are not as famous as they are, but they are strictly about, you know, here's the problem, we're going to solve it and build this billion dollar business or something like that, which has very different dynamics than somebody who is, okay, we're starting this business for a reason other than making money.
0: Well, Um, the word quality came to mind when you were describing the tool business. Yeah. You know, yeah. To me, that would be a a good way to describe number two.
1: Yeah. And then the, the, the third type basically is venture capital funding to the nth degree um have to watch cash like a hawk um taking people who are uh, early adopters and taking an early adopter business and turning it into something that's really kind of cool um
0: they grow through acquisition first and sales second
1: yeah yeah. Well, you know, look what Jeff Bezos did. He, he didn't ever care about being profitable. He had a key cared about cash flow and building this, you know, thing that's huge. Yeah. Um, from there, you know, and, and in the midst of all of this, and I'm not sure how this really affects you and I, it affects the third type of business. There's something called the hype cycle. Do you ever hear about that? Hmm. The hype cycle was done by Gartner, which is this big research thing, and it shows you the hype. happens when a new product or a new service or a new concept or a new thought comes out it goes really really high and then it drops really low and then it comes back up and then it just stabilizes and so that's what happens and that's how people get to the interest so we the goal is obviously you want to be the hype and all the way at the top you have to get through the bottom really quickly where people don't care anymore so that where people who are adopting it not only the early adopters finally are starting to do that
0: it's kind of an s so, curve that stabilizes
1: it's yeah it's it's a little bit more it's a little steeper than an s curve um put an s curve on its side and then go straight right. or go straight and, and then go yeah upward. that's literally yeah.
0: what i just drew in my journal here when you yeah. were describing it yeah yeah
1: yeah, but go That's look up the hype the hype cycle. It's it's a very interesting way of looking at new things, that new technologies, new ideas. Um, you know how much of it is PR and everything along those lines. So, you know, think about you know and what we what you even think about and what we do. There is you know as you said you and I you know had it been ten years ago we should we should have started our podcast back then. But guess what we didn't do that. Um, you know, we weren't ready, but there were the early adopters who did.
0: Yeah. I think of Bob Berg and he's been doing it for over 10 yeah. years. He's, you know, Hey, we get here when we get here. Right. You so, got it. So what advice would you offer contractors? What are three things that you would tell every contractor they must do?
1: Number one is understand your financial statements and know that how much you have on the bottom line with respect to every billable hour that comes in the door, revenue producing, Dollar that comes in the door, what drops to the bottom line? Your net profit per hour. You can't take a percentage to the bank, and you got to build the wealth, not only the profit, because you can be profitable and go bankrupt. And you can, that goes true for any company, not necessarily an HVAC company. Right. Um, you don't know, collect your receivables. Um, your customers go bankrupt on you, and, and we saw this during COVID specifically. Right. I mean, think about all those customers, all those businesses who serve the restaurant industry. What happened to them? I Obviously, the restaurants, too. But they have profitable business. Their customers all went out of business.
0: Right. Through no fault of their own.
1: That's correct. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and there's there are a lot of contractors who that was a big part of their customer base were restaurants. Yeah. Not so, one I ever cared to be in. <laughs> oh, so. gosh, no. Me either. I, I remember being a tech and fixing this guy's walk-in on a Friday night as a restaurant. He hands me a $1,000 cash. And I go, what is this? He goes, I'm paying the bill. I said, I don't want a thousand. I was like 24 years old. I go, I don't want a thousand dollars for Friday night and the seedy part of town. What do you? Don't give me that money. Yeah, that was the restaurant business. Yeah, I had
1: um, one of my clients went, and um, the guy uh, owed him nine thousand um, dollars for a rooftop that they put on. And he came back with $9,000 in cash. It was like right after the Super Bowl. He looked at me and he said, what do you expect? His last name starts with a vowel. <laughs> or right.
0: A vowel. <laughs> it's like, oh so my gosh. what's the biggest mistake you made as an entrepreneur?
1: Biggest mistake I made was being afraid of my employees way back in the beginning. Oh my gosh. That was dumb. That was really, really, really stupid.
0: When you say afraid, how do you mean?
1: Well, I had somebody that I need to fire and I didn't,
0: and I had oh. a
1: lot of problems.
0: So, you so. were afraid of the reaction?
1: I was afraid to fire them, you know. And, you know, I that has since gone away, obviously. But, right, you know, I'm 20 something year old kid who is, you know, in her first business for all I mean, big business with um, a lot of money on the line, over a million dollars. And um, this guy who said he could do what he could do, couldn't do it, and I didn't fire him. And it really caused a lot of problems.
0: Mm -hmm. So So have courage would be the advice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Don't be afraid of, you know, take a stand. The only thing that could happen if you know something's not right, and it's in your gut, do something about it, even if it hurts. Yeah, and you know, in the long term, it's probably worse on you and what the imagination you have going through it than actually will happen in reality.
0: The awfulizing in your mind's eye. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching uh, breaking bad last night uh, for the second time. And there's a scene where he's having dinner. Walter White's having dinner with uh, the the drug kingpin. Yeah. And he's a little scared. It's like, why why am I here? Like, are you going to kill me kind of thing? And he said, I want to offer you a piece of advice. He said, now that you're a wealthy man, I want, I want, to, I want to tell you something. He said, what's that? He said, never make the same mistake twice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I totally that's, agree.
0: That's kind of a paraphrase of what you said, but it was such a great, I literally stopped I stopped Netflix and I grabbed my journal and I went, I got to write that one down.
1: Yeah, yeah my dad um, always had, a st- had, had two sayings. Um, number one is it's never a mistake. If you've learned from it, you do it once and don't do it again. Um, The really good, the really lousy business people make the mistakes and make them over again and they never learn from it. The second group of business people make mistakes and they learn from them so they don't make it. And the third group of business people learns from the mistakes of others so that they don't make those, but they will, you know, they will make some, but at least they'll not make the mistakes that everybody has talked to them about and things along those lines. So yeah, be the third type of business owner rather than the first.
0: Yeah, the phrase I like to use is I'm about making new mistakes, not the same old ones. Yeah. So what uh, what's the coolest place you've been to while you were working?
1: While I was working?
0: Yeah, because I've been to Australia a couple of times. I've been to Istanbul. Istanbul changed my life. But what what was a really cool place that you got to go because you were working?
1: Alaska. Which city? Oh my gosh. We went all over. Um, I actually taught in Anchorage. So I was, yeah. I, I was doing, um, work for the, the West coast distributor for train and you know who they are. And, yes. um, the head of HR and training said, I want you to go to Alaska because they had their clients. And I said, not in January. He said, when and I said, how about, you know, like may. And he said, okay, so I did training in Seattle and then, um, he- I flew Bob in, we flew to Anchorage, and we went around and we went to Talkeena, and it where northern exposure was filmed and
0: yeah we so amazing
1: and we went on bush pilot at sunset, and I, it was the first time in my life I've ever experienced dead silence.
0: There was yes. no sound yes
1: and and we went to Valdez and we went through the trains and we went through the glaciers I mean that was just incredible I mean. And then, um, well, it's I, the only
0: place in the world where snow-capped peaks go directly into the ocean. Yeah, and there's just miles and miles of snowcap peaks. Just it's gorgeous. There's a brutal beauty to it that you can't know or experience until you until you go there.
1: Yeah, it was fun because um, Kate and I do a mother daughter trip every year, except for COVID, obviously, and that's her birthday present every year. And we did. She had never been to Alaska, so we did Alaska, and then we did an Alaskan cruise to. Um, Vancouver and she hadn't been there so we've spent a couple of days there too but as we're flying into Alaska you know I, I lifted up the shades of the plane and you can see the peaks and I go welcome to Alaska and she said, oh my gosh
0: <laughs> right because if you've never seen it there's nothing like it
1: I know she'd never seen it before and yeah you know, the thing that really got me was Bob and I had been there 25 years before and you could see the global warming you could actually see it oh And that's the really sad part about it. I didn't believe it until I actually saw it in Alaska. Yeah.
0: I'm going up in September. Uh, You'll have fun. I know. I've been there 15 times probably. Our, Our oldest son and youngest son played on the same college team for one year at Fairbanks. Okay. So we went up there five or six times, you know, each basketball season. So, and I've gone up there for work probably, I don't know, seven, eight times. So, yeah, I love it up there. There's, there's. There's nothing quite like Alaska. It's just kind of in a category all by itself. Well, yes. we're running out of time so I would I would ask um, you one last well two last questions. Number 1, how does somebody get a hold of you? Is the best way ruthkinghvac.com? Now it's ruthking@info. Okay. I have everything there. All the things
1: that I do from profitability revolution videos to all my books to HVAC channel stuff there and Profitability movement, which is a movement that we started for business owners who care about profits and wealth and giving back. So, I mean, it's all on there. It's okay, that's the perfect. best place to get
0: me. Ruthking.info. Got it. And then a parting shot. One, oh yeah, it's like P.S. One last thing. <laughs> what would you add? What
1: would I add? Life is phenomenal. Number one, do things that make you happy and that you enjoy doing. It's too short to not enjoy what you're doing when you wake up every single morning. So love what you're doing.
0: Mm, Great advice. Life is too short. Warren Zevon was interviewed by David Letterman uh, a month or so before he died. And Letterman said, what what one thing would you want everyone to remember? And Zevon thought about the question. He was a brilliant guy. um, Mm. And he said, enjoy every sandwich.
1: Yeah.
0: He's right. You know, He's absolutely right. Enjoy
1: life. Look around. Don't just, you know, keep your head down. There's so much here. En- enjoy it. Love
0: it. I got to, I'll I'll leave you with this story. Uh, so our youngest son, Evan, is his wife is due in like two weeks. Their first, their first child, our first grandson. And we helped them move this weekend. And instead of me lifting heavy couches, one they said, Dad, we just want you to install all of the uh, the baby's crib, the the dresser, you know, the bookshelf. Yeah. So there's these boxes on the floor <laughs> with some assembly required. So I hearkened back to my technician days and I said, Okay, you know what to do. Take out all the parts, lay them all out, read yeah. through instructions three or four times, and then just do step one and step two and step three. And I'm telling you, I did the hardest one first. It had like a hundred parts. It's beautiful. It looks, it's the, it's the changing table in the dresser drawer. I got to the crib. This one had a fraction of the parts. I thought this is going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? So I start going at a, I'm understanding the language now of the, of all the parts and, and the diagrams. And I get about halfway through and I, it, it, the picture didn't match what I was looking at. Oh my God. I started freaking out. And I said, I must have made a mistake at the beginning. And I'm and, and I'm all tense. And, and I was a technician for 10 years. Right. So I can install yeah. about anything. Right. So I, t- I stopped and I took a deep breath and I said a little prayer and then I just waited. And the answer came back, ask for help. So I went downstairs and my Evans father-in-law is like Tim, the tool man. He's got, you know, he's, he's, a, he loves doing that stuff. And I said, I need a different set of eyeballs. I need some objectivity. And he said, let's go. Let's take a look. So he looks at the diagram. He looks at what I, what I had done. He looks back at the diagram and goes, oh, you got that piece backwards. Just flip that around. You'd be fine. And he goes back downstairs. 30 seconds. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I, I got done and my wife came and says, oh, it looks great. Great job, honey. I said, thanks, son. And then, I, then it dawned on me. There's a process. And no matter how good you are at what you do, no matter how experienced you are, you're, there's always going to be a point where somebody's You're going to get stuck.
1: yeah,
0: And that's the point when they need to call you.
1: Yeah. Or you need to call for help one or the other.
0: Yeah. That's why we do what we do. We're Mm -hmm. the people that get called when they get stuck with something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's true. And then the light bulbs go on and you can watch them do phenomenal things and achieve the goals that they want to. And it's like, yes, I would have had a piece of that. That was cool.
0: I literally got off the phone just before I t- talked to you. This contract I've been working with for 12 years. He just bought a house in Florida. He sold his business. Uh, you know, he's, 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 doing all, he's enjoying the fruits of his labor. And it was just great to get caught up to hear all the good news. And that's, I think that's the joy that we get. That's the, that's the juice that we get doing what we do.
1: Yep. I agree. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for making I'm the time out of your busy news. schedule. Yeah. You're awesome. My
1: pleasure, pleasure. thank you so much. And keep doing the phenomenal things that you are doing.
0: Oh, stop. I'll give you 10 years to stop saying that. All right, you got it. (laughs) Thanks, Ruth. Thanks, Mark, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697- 0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books simply go to my website www.sparkingsuccess.net and remember make it a great day unless you have other plans